0: Welcome to the Rock of Grace Warren Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a a series across campuses. We try to kind of present one big premise, you know, and uh, so we put this down, questions for God, and we all go through like, some ups and downs in life. If you've lived, I think, more than 10 years or uh, or, or 10 weeks, you go through these ups and downs. And so we, so we talked about, like, where was God when, you know? What happens when I die? Why do we suffer? Um, today, I want to ask this question, how good is good enough? How good is good enough? And so... Um, Again, like six months ago, and me, Pastor Dave, Pastor Andrew were like, what, does, what would God want to say for the whole month of January? And we, we wrote these questions down, like the things people face when you have unexplained tragedy, when something does not go as planned, when you suddenly lose the job, you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Like, where was God when? Why did God allow that? And then this big one is, what about morality? What about the whole, like, am I good enough? Aren't I good enough? Doesn't my good outweigh my bad? And so we're going to talk about what what does the gospel say, what does the gospel, what does the Bible say. So here's the big thing I want you to get. Um, We're going to drive home these couple points. So here's the big one. We have a problem. Humanity is a mess. Amen? (laughs) Listen, it's it's a mess. I mean, Friday Friday night, right? I'm at my prayer retreat, and right before uh, I went to sleep, I turned on the TV, and You know, I watched it. They they played this clip of these five guys just brutally beating this guy um, who had, you know, routine traffic stops. In their report, he had blown some traffic red lights and things like that, but nowhere near uh, ever uh, would demand, you know, what what happened, right? So how many of you just nod if you saw those clips? Yeah, about two-thirds of you, right? So here they are. They're kicking him in the face. They're punching him. And you're watching this, and you're going, like, what is wrong with people? Right? Now, you know, like, I, I deeply respect policemen, and, of course, you're, you're chasing somebody, and you're annoyed, and you're mad because they're endangering other lives. I get that. But here's what I want to say. I was thinking about that. And I had already written my sermon, but I was, I was thinking about that, like, man, what's in a person that makes them snap? And then it caused me to think this. It's almost like a lot of people have a sinful, violent nature they've learned to restrain until their circumstances are right. So what I want to ask you is, is it possible to not just restrain your sinful, violent nature your whole life, because 99% of your life you're maybe, maybe doing that, But what if, what if I can tell you today, God can remove that? Amen? God can give you a new nature. Turn to your neighbor and say, God can do that. Now, I know when you hear a story like that, you might think, what is wrong with them? What's wrong with them? But what I want to ask is not that question. What I want to ask is what's wrong with us? Right, it's you, not them. It's me, and maybe life's going really good for you right now, and and you're like, no, you know what, you know, I'm I'm good, my bills are paid, I'm, you don't understand, you know, Pastor Jordan, I'm a really nice person, <laughs> you know, and uh, but I tell you what, I just want you to zoom out. Can you just zoom out with me for a minute? Just zoom out of your life. Um, when I came back from my prayer retreat, I stopped by. Uh, Trumbull County Children's Services to meet with this young man. And within an hour, he's telling me he hasn't seen his dad in six years, you know? And some of the things he witnessed, I won't even describe to you. And so you say, well, yeah, that is so bad for that one. No, there's 5,000 kids in Ohio like him. Everybody say it's with me, 5,000. How many of you say humanity's in a mess? It's a mess. In this year, crime and, and, and uh, murder and theft doubled in some of America's biggest cities. Now I know when you hear that, immediately your brain might go, "Well, I live, you know, I live in in Howland, or I live in Warren, or I live in Cortland, and man, praise God, I'm not." Listen, in rural Ohio, in Ohio, Ohio's number two in trafficking. See, a lot of times we are like this. We don't understand how bad the mess is. It's so bad. So what is the answer? What causes someone, thousands, not hundreds, thousands of people to get caught up in whether it's violence or crime, right, or even murder during just trying to steal something or trafficking? What causes that? Well, look at this slide. The lie of sin is this, we deserve more than we've been given, and we deserve to be glorified. This is what I call the garden lie. In fact, I mentioned it. I was looking at what I what I had preached on last month, at curio- or last time I was here, out of curiosity, I mentioned this. The garden lie, and I want to come back to this for a moment. It's the same lie, it's the same lie that Lucifer had uh, in heaven, right? Right? Um, in, in heaven, Lucifer was one of many angels meant to worship God, but the lie that developed in his heart, according to Isaiah and Ezekiel, was that he wanted to be worshiped, so it's about self-glorification, and at the core of every sin is the glory of self, the help of self. I, I want to be more, I want to have more than I've been given. You Think about Eden, right? Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were given all, have you guys ever just thought about the Garden of Eden and be like, come on, guys, you had one rule. You know what I'm saying? Like you had one, it's like you ever heard that phrase, you had one job, right? Like don't eat that tree. But what what does Satan tell him? Did God really say? Because if you do, you'll be like God. You'll be as important as God. You'll be as as high as God. So the same lie that developed in his heart, he sold to Adam and Eve. And if we're honest, it's the same lie that he sells to us. And you might hear those big statistics a minute ago and think, man, what is wrong with them? But at times, you may have embellished the truth at work to make yourself look better. Everybody just pull your toes in. At times, you have maybe stretched the truth a little bit in a conversation with your spouse. To make Not Nolan, but the rest of you. His greatest gift is humility. (coughs) He'll actually be, no, anyway, I'll stop. But seriously, right? Again, we like to go, oh, what's wrong with them? But no, what's wrong with the guy in the mirror? I've done that. I've done that, right? You find this all the time. Anytime someone wants to take the credit, that's sin. That's sin at its core And it needs repented of, it needs forgiven. What is wrong with what I call the human condition? So what we have to do, what I want to challenge you to do, is to have the courage to admit what you see in the mirror sometimes. That's what I'm asking you today. It's a little bit of a different message. If you know me, if you've heard me preach for, I've I've been Pastor uh, Rock Grace five years, and... Even before that, you know, I think it's eight, yeah, January is 18 years now. And I typically have a real more fun, and I'm invite, I want to invite you into the goodness of God. That's kind of the theme of my life. So today might be a little different, but I know God wants to speak. I know God's trying to speak to us. So you guys okay with letting God speak something a little different, right? Okay. So here's the thing. We're simply not good apart from God. And you have to admit that. And if you don't, if you don't, if you think you're good, and you really don't even need God, now you might say, "Yeah, but I'm here on Sundays." That's not what I'm talking about, because you might think you're good because you come on Sundays. <laughs> you're not only you're only good because of what Jesus did. It's not what you did. It's what He did. Not what you will do. It's what He already did. It's not what you're going to accomplish. It's what He already accomplished. The entire premise of the gospel, the entire premise of you worshiping today is because someone greater than you, someone who is perfect, someone who is sinless, died in your place. And I have such a unique, heavy heart for you today, for each one of you. I was up just praying and just, I'm looking at, looking over my sermon notes this morning and like asking God, man, let this hit every heart because it's not, it's not them, it's Simply not good apart from God. I want to tell you Jonah's story. Jonah's story is is unique. Um, in fact, before I tell you Jonah's story, we're going to back up one slide because I don't want to I don't want to miss something. I wanted to tell you Brittany's story first. Brittany is in our life group, and I asked her permission to share this, and she told us at our last group her testimony. Everybody had kind of um, we heard part of it, but then the rest of the crew went into Get coffee and things, and she was telling me more about it. She said, "Jordan, you don't understand. I was so addicted to alcohol. I was having, I was drinking to numb the pain and the anger in my heart. And maybe some of you that might resonate, maybe that's your story. But she, she found herself in a head-on car wreck, right? And she hits—I uh, can think it was a tree or something—but she, she was really bad. Was it was a tractor, yeah." Is uh, in you know, totally lost control. And the EMTs are flashing the light in her eyes, and um, she didn't even know she was pregnant until she's in this accident and in the hospital. And they come up, and they're like, do, the, do you know you're pregnant? And she's just like, I can't believe this. She didn't realize her life had spun so far out of control. Maybe you've heard this before. Satan will always take you longer right, make you stay longer than you want to stay, make you pay more than you wanted to pay, right? Um, That's what it was like. And she said Jesus met her in the hospital. She had a revelation and understanding of who Jesus was for the first time in her life, and she's just telling me this with eyes. I mean, she's just, her whole nature is new. She's like, Jordan, I'm a different person. You see, before Brittany lived for Brittany, See what I way? So you tell the teenagers, I did this sermon series called Exposing the Enemy." It's the only sermon that I repeated uh, in a given year when I was a youth pastor. And the premise of the sermon, and Jeremiah might even remember this. We, we go way back like 38 years or something. Not that old. But, um, not possible. But uh, I used to say this every October. I'd say, so Satan's lied to you is not, he's not going to come at you with horns and be like, live for me. Probably not going to work, Tom, right? He'd be like, a little on the nose, right? But what does he do? He says, live for yourself. Just live for yourself. See, that's the lie. And you live for yourself, and then Satan's taking you down a road you don't want to go down. And so for Brittany now, she's living for Jesus. Now she's not taking, she's giving. See, now she's not like, I'm going to drink and I, I don't care what happens to other people. No, it's now, now I'm giving, I'm not taking. I'm serving, I'm not demanding. Why? Her nature has changed. See, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus is not behavioral modification. It's that he changes your heart so you don't even desire to do the wrong thing. He says in Jeremiah, I will write my law upon your heart. In other words, you're going to want to do this. It's amazing. So let me tell you about Jonah. Jonah needed a heart change. It's one of the few stories in the Bible where the the story of the prophet ministering to people is actually, it's more about the prophet than it is about the people. So the Assyrians in Nineveh were an awful people. They had lived there. They were considered to be brutal, godless, immoral, totally depraved. And the Hebrew people looked at them with disdain, right? So God's about to wipe them out because he takes sin very seriously is what we're talking about today. He'd given them many chances to repent. Jonah was asked by God to go to Nineveh to preach, to call them to repentance so that they would be saved. Now, here's the crazy thing. Jonah didn't believe they deserved to be saved. Jonah, For Jonah, it was like, I'm good. Wipe them out. And if we're honest, there are times, and I'll just throw in the word, as American Christians, Oh, man, don't let me get preaching. You might say, God, just take him out. I actually can't handle people like that. People send me videos like, Billy. Anyway, why? God wants all to be saved. Everybody say all. All right, so you know the story. He doesn't want to go. Well, God caused this great storm to come. Everyone's afraid for their lives. And just imagine these 20-foot waves are coming over the boat. And he tells them, it's his rebellion, it's his sin, he's feeling convicted, and so he says, just throw me overboard. He takes ownership of the problem, they throw him overboard, and you might not believe this, but I'm telling you, a whale swallowed him. Now, some of you hear this, and you're like, no, Jordan, listen, that was, that's, that, that's kids' ministry time. You, you see, that's downstairs. Our kids' ministry is downstairs. I know, because some of you are like, dude, I remember the flannel board, you know, and like Jonah falls, you know. How many of you guys, How many of you guys have been in church like 30 years, you know? Remember the flannel board before PowerPoint, you know? We've come a long way. Thank you, Jesus. I remember Abraham falling. I was like, Abraham broke his leg, you know. Jonah's falling off the flannel board. Anyway, it's a real story. It is a real story. Did you know the blue whale on average is 95 feet long? To help you picture this, 95 feet long, that's roughly as long as three London red double decker buses parked end to end. The longest blue whale on record is a female whale measured in South Georgia whaling station. She was 110 feet long. So don't tell me it's not possible. The heaviest blue whale was also this female hunted in the southern ocean, Antarctica. She broke the scale (laughs) when it had tipped over 418,878 pounds, which is equal to 30 elephants. Somebody say that's a big fish. So don't tell me it's not possible. So Jonah's stuck in there. He swallowed, by the way. I don't know about you, but I like to put myself in the story. Like when I read, imagine you're in that, everybody just, ugh, right? Everybody just give me your best ugh face. Or if you play jazz music, give me your stink face. You know, when the groove hits real tight, you know what I'm talking about, no That's That's the stink face. Anyway, all right. So the Lord causes the, the fish to spit him out, verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited. Come on, somebody said, that's a bad day. You are animal vomit, that's a bad day. God's trying to get your attention. Uh, by the way, has anybody else been reading the Bible too long and these things start to play out in your life, in your imagination? Like I was at the airport a couple months ago and I saw the flights getting delayed and it must be the pastor in me. I was like, I almost want to pull like a Jonah joke. Like, I'm the one, throw me on the tarmac. you know. But I didn't. I knew it'd only be funny to me and so I didn't say it. But, but God gives Jonah the second chance. So Jonah then, he obeys the Lord Takes the ship to Nineveh to preach, preach, and he preaches to them, and you need to understand he's still not in a good mood. <laughs> As I was rereading this, I mean, he just was vomited on, but, uh, you know, he, 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 God gives him this plant to give him shade, right? Look at this. God gives him this plant, and he cares more about the plant than the people. Bro, that's bad. Yeah. He cares more about the plant. Now, some of you laugh, but now you're about, we're about to feel convicted, so I'm going to say it again. He cares more about the plant, cares more about stuff, things, the thing providing a shade, house, car, than people. Anytime you put product or a project in front of people, you're in trouble. People are never the problem. People are the mission. So verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, even Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 12, 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation, and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus, now, how many of you guys know when God is inspiring the word of God to be written, and Jonah's story to take place in real life? God is outside of time. Everybody, just do this with your with your hands for a minute. All right. Oh, that was a nice little rainbow, you guys. That was great. We're in kids' church again. <laughs> I need a flannel board up here. All right. So he's outside of time. So Jesus, who existed before time, who spoke the earth into existence, knows that one day this is going to happen with Jonah, right? He's outside the matrix, for lack of a better word. Okay, nobody go, just stay with me. He's outside of that. So then Jesus, who now comes in time and is preaching about who he is in the kingdom of God, the reality of sin, the punishment of sin, the wages of sin being death, and that he is taking the place of that punishment He is saying, hey, guys, remember Jonah. He's in there for three days. He's like, just like that, I'm going to be in the ground for three days. And so some of them are confused, like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And some of them, they're getting it. Holy Spirit saying, oh, my goodness. He is saying he's going to rise from the dead. Look at Jonah 3, verse 8, though. Look at the word that Jonah had preached. Let's go back to the story. Let everyone turn from his evil way. Now, listen, let everyone, not them, me, Everybody say this with me, everyone. Let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger that we would not die. When God saw what they did, how they turned from the evil way, God relented of the disaster, and he had said he would do, and he did not do it. And Jonah was disappointed that they repented, guys. What? What's wrong with this guy? What is wrong with this guy? And again, you know you're in trouble when you want other people to suffer the punishment of their bad choices. That's when you know you have a religious spirit. You see, the Pharisees had this. And so what we're talking about today is this this pendulum, right? Because the guy over here that's in Nineveh, right, that knows he's doing wrong. I mean, even the king repented after this. The governor, the people, the leaders, they even they turned, but they knew they were in a mess. But then over here in this pendulum, you have people like Jonah who think they got it all together. And they think they have it all together because they live on this behavioral scale system. They just think, as long as I'm better than you. And guys, this happens all the time. I've seen people in ministry do this. As long as I can put you down. And make myself look better. That's sin in the heart. Whether you go to church and you know all the scriptures, or whether you are an alcoholic and abusive, it's sin in the heart. Amen? So we got to repent of it. So here's what I have to ask you. Jonah was upset that they were (laughs) repenting because this religious spirit in his heart was conflicting with the idea of God's grace. See, God's grace is so generous, everyone gets God's grace. And so if you if you have a religious, the religious attitude, you don't think everyone gets God's grace, and you don't like that everyone gets God's grace. It's like when Jesus preaches on the vineyard. I'm gonna go off my notes for one second, guys, in the back. When Jesus preaches in the vineyard, and you got guys that work all day, and then you got one guy that works an hour, right? And they come up to Jesus and Jesus gives them the same pay. That story is about grace. It's not about rewards in heaven. The other vineyard one is, but that one is about grace. And they said, well, hey, I've been working all day. You can't pay him the same. And you know what Jesus says? I'm the master. You are not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that, see, the problem is we don't have a perf- we don't have a right understanding of who Jesus is. If you get a right understanding of who Jesus is, everything else in your life will line up. You'll be repentant, you'll be humble, you'll be giving, not taking, you'll be generous, not demanding. So can God be both just and gracious? So God is calling them to repentance, but what about the sin that they deserved, Pastor Andrew, they deserve, I mean, this is an evil people. I mean, how many of you guys ever read the Bible sometimes and you're like, these people are jacked up? How about some of them like offering their babies to Moloch? Remember that? right? Like, a lot of times you read the Bible, and even I read the Bible 18 years into ministry, 39 years into life, and I still read the Bible and be like, those people are screwed up, (laughs) right? And how about the cycle? The cycle of sin. God saves them. They say, thank you. They get blessed, and as soon as they're blessed, they forget God. God sends them a a, a hero, if you will, a leader, to call them to repentance, usually to heroically defeat the enemy. They say, thank you, God. Then God blesses them, and then in their blessing, they forget God. And they're in this cycle, and some of you might be in this cycle. You might be looking around and looking at the blessings and looking at what God's given you and forgot that it came from God, and so now you don't think you need God. Or maybe you're tuning in online, and you might think, I don't need God. You need God. You need Jesus. Put your hand on your heart one more time. And just say this with me. Say, I need Jesus. So can God be both just and gracious? Yes. God is incredibly gracious and loving while at the same time being perfectly just. You see, he wants everyone to receive his grace. Everyone. Everyone. I don't know if you guys have ever seen some of these documentaries, guys on death row, and they receive grace. Guys who have murdered other people. Have you guys ever seen some of these stories where even the parents will look at the the, the inmate and say, I forgive you. How can someone get to that place? Because they realize what they've been forgiven. Of. Grace. It's grace doing its deep work, not in the mind so much, but in the heart. Second Peter 3 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient. He's patient. He's patient. Toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all would reach repentance. Repentance is admitting our sin, admitting our wrongdoing, and changing ways and going the right way. Second Corinthians 5.20, therefore we as ambassadors for Christ, God is making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. See, first God does this in your own heart, and then when you really get the gospel, you really let grace start to do its work, you just want to see people reconcile with God. You don't want to see people punished. You want to see people reconciled with God. Again, our, our theme for the year is that everyone deserves the gospel. Everyone. I know, some of you have a coworker you're like, not Karen. <laughs> right? I've met my share of Karen. We all have. And I really apologize if your name is Karen. That is so unfortunate for you in 2023. I really apologize. Just change your name. Kathy, I don't know. Kate, they may change it. Just go down the office somewhere. All right. God's perfect justice and perfect love, guys, was on full display at the cross of Jesus. You say, how can God, if he's really good, if he's a good God who's just, right? Because when we think of a, a good God, God if he is good then bad people pay for their mistakes okay the problem is when we think about bad people and we don't think about the person in the mirror because then you realize oh yeah I am one of those bad people I needed grace and so what did God do God sent Jesus his only son to pay the penalty and it wasn't just that someone can die someone would pay it's that it had to be a perfect person who had never sinned the bible says that he was tempted in every way but never sinned even before his ministry he's taken into the desert to be tempted the holy spirit led him into the desert to be tempted and what did satan offer him if hey if you bow to me remember it's all about worship you bow to me i'll give you all the kingdoms of the world now some of you say does that even make sense yes satan was the prince of the air. Satan was the prince of the year. So for that time, right? And again, is humanity in a mess. Is humanity in a mess. We all establish that, right? Yeah, why? Satan's the prince of the year. We don't have the new Jerusalem, the new earth yet. One day God's gonna make all things new, but right now he's making all things new through you and me. Come on, somebody, it's a good spot for an amen. But still we're in this broken world. So in this broken world, Satan's saying, hey, just bow, hey, just give up going to the cross. Let's, let's make an easier route for you. And Jesus, no, was submitted to the will of his father. And aren't you so thankful? He was submitted to the will of his father, so he went to the cross to die in your place and my place to pay the punishment for our sin. Let's read about it. Romans 8. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Can you pause for a minute? Just pause for a minute. Guys, I remember... Lucas, my, uh, we, we, our adopted son, we adopted him. He's three. He has all these severe allergies. We were having a party the other day, and someone said, what's his allergies again? I got to, like, number eight, and I just said air, breathing, you know, you. He has so many allergies. Well, he had this anaphylactic thing going on, and we rushed him down there. And listen, guys, I had to hold Lucas down while they're trying to give him a shot, and it was not working. Right? So I'm holding him down. And I start crying because the Holy Spirit's like, you think this is hard? I had to do this for Jesus, right? And I, I'm just like balling because I re, I mean, I'm seriously crying. It took them, I don't know what was wrong with those nurses, but it was like 30 minutes. They could not, I am not kidding. They could not find his little vein, right? And I'm holding him down. He's squirming. He's really strong little guy. And guys, I, Jesus, God held down his son for you. God was in such emotional agony at the sight of his son's suffering, he had to look away for you because of your sin, because of my sin. We deserved to die. And here's the, here's the beauty of the gospel. He takes your sin and he gives you his righteousness. R.C. Sproul calls it the great exchange. It's, it's already enough that he takes our sin. But he takes our sin and then gives you his righteousness. To use a fancy theological term, he imputes to you his righteousness. He clothes you, 1 Corinthians says, in his righteousness. Even though you and I don't deserve it. And guys, we do not deserve it. Like Pastor Andrew said earlier, we're, we're seated at the table. And we don't deserve it. We don't even deserve the invitation to be in the room. But God loved you so much. God loved the world. God loved you so much. He gave his only son that you would have everlasting life. Amen? He suffered and was rejected for a little while so you could be accepted forever. He was rejected for a little while so that you could be accepted forever. Look at this. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Of Christ, what shall tribulation or distress or persecution, (coughs) excuse me, or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it's written? For your sake we are being killed all the day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, (coughs) excuse me, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come height or depth nothing <coughs> excuse me in all creation thank you <coughs> excuse me. I have a really bad catch in my throat. Ask your favorite their, your neighbor their favorite color <coughs> okay can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So, guys, I am so thankful that God was willing to send his son. And here's the thing. I, again, I'm not trying to beat you up today. I'm just trying to make sure we understand what Christ did for us. Because you say, Jordan, well, why would you read that scripture? Didn't you? I mean, it just said nothing shall separate us. Who can be condemned? We're not condemned. No. But Jesus was condemned because so that we could never be condemned. Jesus suffered shame, so that we don't ever have to suffer shame. So again, you could be in two places today. You could be sitting here today, and actually be totally forgiven, be doing great, but believing the the lie of the enemy, and living in shame. God can rid you of that shame today. God can give you the perfect peace of his presence, the perfect peace of forgiveness, of what grace does. Right? free you of shame and guilt or you can be over here where you say you know what you realize you've you've actually thought that you deserved deserved heaven i want to close with this story of the rich young ruler go in your bibles to matthew 19 verse 16 I've preached on this passage a few times. I always like to think of this guy as the Eagle Scout, right? But it says he's a rich, young ruler, okay? Everybody say this with me, rich, young ruler. Listen, he's already in the in crowd before we read it. He's already esteemed by people. He's in the in crowd. He's done a lot of things, and in his mind, all things right, right. His whole life. Notice the nature of the question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? I love Jesus' response. How I many you guys realize Jesus always knows what's in the heart? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus said, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commands. Now, pause for a minute. How many of you guys realize Jesus already knows this guy? How many of you guys realize Jesus is God? <clears throat> all right, connect this with me. Jesus is God, right? Jesus is, God is sovereign. So Jesus already knows. But in his mind, he has done a lot of good deeds. And so what he wants to do is add one more notch to the belt. You see what I mean? He's like, Jesus, you don't understand. I'm on the Gideons, you know, I pass out Bibles all the time. I was a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout, you know. In Forbes, I'm in the top 100, you know. He's a rich, young ruler. He's in the in crowd. He's like, you know, I just want to add one more good deed. How about this? Keep the commands. Which ones? See, now you're starting to get, when you, when you really picture it, he's like, which ones? Right? Jesus said, oh, you know, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. He's like, check, check. Okay? You must not steal, check. You must not testify falsely, check. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all of these. How of us know this boy, he was never spanked as a child. You know, <laughs> spare the rod. His parents did not believe. You know, they gave him the rod. <laughs> Do what you want, you know. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, right? A little sarcasm in his voice. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possession and give all the money to the poor. Oh, man. Now it's getting real. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, this is the saddest little phrase in the entire scripture, he went away sad. Now I know, you, like me, like stories that have a good ending. I mean, have you guys ever watched a movie and it just like totally flopped? Like at the end, they're like, oh, they didn't get together, and you're like, this movie's terrible, right? I mean, I have to go full Hallmark, you know? Like they have to, they have to, you know, kiss at a minute twenty. They got to get married at about a minute twenty-eight. The music starts, great. All right, this is not that story, because he presented to him, well, you have to do. It. Then, then what happens? He walks away sad. Now, I was rereading this a couple years ago, and the Holy Spirit gave me such a cool revelation. Think about this. I'm going to give you that in just a second, but I'm going to read the rest of this. Look at this. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. So the disciples said, well, then who in the world can be saved? Jesus looked at them intently and said, well, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Right Now, here's the thing. We have this rich young ruler who's done everything right, supposedly since he was a boy. He followed every rule. I mean, this guy is, is driven. He's a perfectionist. And he says, well, if you want to be perfect, well, his submission to authority had already begun since he was a kid. And so he felt he was perfect. But in the question, we learn so much about him because he's like, yeah, I got that check done. But notice the six commandments Jesus cited. They were not by accident. Holy Spirit just hit me so hard in the heart when I noticed this. Look at this. The first four commandments are all vertical, the other six are horizontal. And he quoted all the ones that are horizontal. You see? Here's the beautiful thing about the Ten Commandments, and it's the entire way of life. You get this right, this follows after. If you worry about this, everything gets screwed up. If you just try to be good enough, if you just try to be better than that person, if you say, well, I don't steal, I don't murder, I I don't commit adultery, Pastor Jordan, I'm a good guy. No, but what about this? I am the Lord your God who rescued you. Don't worship any other gods but me. In other words, worship me alone because I know what's best for you. Number 2, don't make any idols of any kind to worship. In other words, don't think that what you have on earth will ever compare to heaven, right? Number 3, don't you misuse the name of the Lord your God. Number 4, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And so the following six commandments were the ones Jesus mentioned to the rich, young, arrogant perfectionist. Sure, he appeared to be a nice guy, but how often was this guy looking around in a meeting and being condescending in his mind? How often was he in meetings and in situations where he looked around and felt, I'm at this seat because I deserve this seat? You see what I'm saying? So on the outside, his behavioral modification was correct, but what does God always want to actually deal with—the heart. And so you might say to me, Pastor Jordan, well, no, really, I'm a pretty good guy, Jordan. Like I follow the books, like I, I obey my my boss, and you know, I I like I even mow my lawn perfect, Jordan. Like it's perfect. But how often do you look around and just other people—they're just not as good as you. They annoy you with their bad mistakes, but you're forgetting that they too deserve grace and the Father's love and the Father's adoption just like you, right? So God wants to deal with our heart this morning. I want to ask the worship team to come back up, and we're going to respond to this. Guys, if you get this right, to obey the rest of the commandments, we said how good is good enough? That's the question. How do I actually become good? Because some of you actually, you know, maybe it's the majority of you, I don't know. But some of you in here go, you know what, I know I messed up, but I can't fix it. Some of you have addictive uh, behaviors and and you don't know how to stop, right? Some of you, it might be a drug use, it might be alcohol, it might be pornography. There might be things that you say are controlling you and you say, Jordan, I can't stop. It's because you're looking at rule six through 10. But if you will worship the Lord and fix your eyes on Jesus and realize that he said, I am the God who rescued you. You see, you can't worship him for being the rescuer if you don't admit you needed rescued. And so if you will fix your eyes on him and say, Jesus, you are first in my life. You're first in the week. The Sabbath is actually committed to you. Jesus, you are first. I'm gonna keep your name holy. Jesus, you are first. I will worship no one else but you. I won't worship money. I won't worship possessions. I won't worship anything else. Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. You do that and you watch. You'll start loving your spouse the right way. You say, "I need my my marriage is falling apart, and I don't know, I'm, I'm like morally bankrupt. I keep doing the wrong thing, and I don't know how to stop doing the wrong thing. You need to stop worrying about the thing and start focusing on Jesus. Right? Now you might say, well then, yeah, but Jesus told that guy, the rich young ruler, to go sell his possessions. You know why? Because to him, the money and the possessions gave him the prestige that he liked. So who was he actually worshiping? Himself. Comes back to how we opened the sermon, right? He's worshiping himself. The glorification of self. What must I do to be saved? But that's the wrong question. The question is, Jesus, what did you do to save me? Thank you, Jesus, that you did something because I couldn't do a thing. He said, what must I do to be saved? There is nothing you can do except repent. There's nothing you can do except admit that there's nothing you can do. That's the only doing on your part is to say, Jesus, thank you. The only doing on your part is to come to a place of gratitude and say, Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. Jesus, you are holy. The first four of the Ten Commandments. You see, God is very purposeful in his word. And when you read that in the Old Testament and Jesus is quoting it, he's teaching us a principle. Love the Lord your God. What does he say? This is the greatest commandment. Then love people you see you can't love people until you love the lord your god you can't treat people right until you love jesus you fix your eyes on jesus so stand with me and i want to just ask you as you stand to just bow your heads for a moment and if you're listening online or you're in the room i want to invite you into the family of god i want to invite you to repent of your sin Not to worry about the people you see on the news right now. You're not looking at other people. We already established the world is in a mess. But what about the mess in your heart, sir, ma'am? What about the conflict in your heart? What about that addictive behavior that you try really hard to ignore? But if you're honest with me, if you're honest with yourself right now, you're trying hard to stop, but you can't stop. Because something has control of you. And I have news for you. Only God's spirit should control you. Only God's spirit. Nothing else. So if you want to repent of your sin and say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I'm tired of looking at everything else and everyone else. And I'm looking at myself today and I'm owning up. It's me. If you need that forgiveness, would you raise your hand? Seven or eight hands went up. Thank you, God. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to stay right where you are. Let me ask this now. How many of you would just, and again, all the heads are bowed, just slip your hand up if you realize, you know what, it's not that you've been far from God and trapped in sin so much but there has been a problem where you are judging other people and you're forgetting about the plank in your own eye. That's you. Can you just lift up your hands for a moment? It's just just between you and Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song again, and we're going to say thank you, Jesus, that you take every care, that you take every temptation. See, Jesus can renew you. Are you still going to be on earth? Yep. Are you still going to be tempted at times? Yep. Remember, temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way. But here's the amazing news for you, though. When you're tempted, Holy Spirit can come in right in that moment and give you a way out where you don't sin. How good is good enough? Jesus is good enough. And he makes you good enough. So can we just all pray something together? And then we're going to worship. We're going to do what Jesus was talking about, fixing our eyes on Jesus. But if you'd like to just pray this with me, say, Dear Jesus, forgive me for looking at others. Forgive me for playing the comparison game. Forgive me for thinking I'm good enough and forgetting my sin, my brokenness, my selfishness, I admit my need for you. And I admit my need for your grace. Give me that grace right now, Lord. Because I need it, God. I need your grace. Thank you that your word, Jesus, promises me that you're going to completely forgive me. That you'll wash me clean. That I'll be white as snow. I really do want to please you, God. In yeah. Jesus' name, amen. Do you love Jesus? Let's worship him. Let's sing this together. A friend we have we in Jesus All sin and griefs to bear, to bear. In fame Oh needless fame we make Oh because we do not care everything to God in prayer I just feel led to just to bless you to declare something over you You just open up your hands as if a way of saying, like, I receive what's being said. Rock of Grace, Warren Campus, I I bless you. I bless you with the freedom from sin. I bless you with the truth that you overcome sin through the blood of the Lamb. I bless you with the revelation of the gospel that it's not your doing, but what Jesus did. I bless you, Rock of Grace, with the joy of your salvation. I bless you with an awareness of how good God is. I bless you with gratitude, with thankfulness, with an awareness of God's grace. Jesus, we just pray right now, Lord, not in, not only in our own lives, but if there's a Nineveh, Lord, if there's somebody at work that we've actually gotten just really angry about, but you want to soften our heart to them, help us to fulfill the great commission and love them well. Help us to have a change of heart, Lord, where we care more about people than projects, more about people than stuff. Give us a revelation, Jesus. Open our eyes to see people the way you see them. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen, guys. Thanks for coming to worship today. Amen. Don't you love Jesus? Can we just give Jesus a big praise? I love Jesus. On your way out today, you have to high five. And don't, don't do none of this Baptist stuff. Like, no. Full Pentecostal. High five three people and be like, Jesus saved you too, buddy. Okay, all the way up and you got to call him buddy. Jesus saved you too. If you enjoyed today's message, there are a couple things I would love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others by investing today by going to give.rockofgrace.org. And thanks again for joining us on the Rock of Grace Warren podcast. Welcome to the Rock of Grace Warren Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message.